Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. And welcome to the podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone <laughs> from Canada. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Our recording is a little delayed, so it'll be a week past Thanksgiving when everyone's hearing this. But we're still uh, wishing everyone a wonderful fall and a wonderful November from over here. Yes. Actually, it's still October. What am I saying? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I've just lost track of time, guys. I've just lost track of time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think you can be thankful at any time, though. Yeah, that's true. And that's actually what I've been tuning into recently is like extreme gratitude. Mm. It's a very good practice. Mm-hmm. How's your week been going? My week has gone by in a flash, mm. I would say. You were really busy, right? Yeah, really busy. I think I've just blinked and missed it. And mm. yeah, here's Monday morning again. Right. I feel like I was just here a few seconds ago recording last week. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't it wild? It is. It is. We mm-hmm. are steaming forward towards the end of the year. Yeah. Feels like there's no stopping us. And what a 2020 it has been. And I do still feel like I'm stuck in March. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> And the good thing is, no one is alone in that. I think all of us have kind of just tossed out 2020. (laughs) It just doesn't count. I'm going to be super surprised when this year ends. Yeah. (laughs) Because it kind of feels like it's the year that's never going to end. (laughs) Yes, it really does. You know, it was funny. I was paddling yesterday and I thought, am I going to remember everything that happened? Because I I have a really bad memory. I can't remember if something happened in 2015 or 2013. But I thought, you know, I think I'm going to remember everything that happened in COVID because I'll be like, oh, yes, that was in 2020. I think we're going to have a collective ingrained memory of what happened here. I think we could, we're we going to be able to index like was was that in lockdown or not? Oh, you see, I have a theory, though, that everything softens in time. Mm. You know, eventually we'll we'll look back and we'll say, well, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Do you think Though now, but that's what women go through through childbirth, right? Like that's the collective amnesia of somebody having more children is only because they lose the recollection of what labor and delivery was like. Absolutely. Until you're back in it again, (laughs) (laughs) suddenly it all comes flooding back. Is there some personal recollection? (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I wish everyone could see Sarah's expression right now. (laughs) <laughs> what I would say, though, because I do know a number of people that are pregnant right now, mm. that, you know, lots of people do go on to have more than one child and sometimes more than two. So mm. it really can't be that bad because we do will do it again. And uh, once the baby's in there, it's got to come out some way. <laughs> it's so true. Some way. So you just have to. The memories do fade. That's mm. all I'm going to say, just because there might be some pregnant people listening and we don't want to terrify them. <laughs> But the other thing too, I think it speaks to the resilience of the human spirit. We're used to going through adversity. That is what we evolutionarily are meant to do. And maybe it's our modern world that tricks us into thinking that life is supposed to be easy. Like we're supposed to have delivery, Uber Eats, everything at our doorstep, (laughs) not having to lift a finger. Technology has sorted everything out for us. And I think pregnancy and COVID are two things that remind us about who we are as a species and the hardship on planet Earth. Yeah. I was listening to something this morning about how 
actually our needs and the basic needs that we've got as human beings haven't changed Mm. for thousands of years but the environment around us has Mm. and it's a lot of the environmental changes that are causing the rise of depression Mm. anxiety um, and all the things that you know lots of us are struggling with and it's because of those environmental pressures we aren't as tuned into those basic human needs and how to satisfy them for ourselves and for other people. I absolutely agree. What are some of those needs? So the need to be safe, to be heard, to feel connected, to feel loved, to feel acceptance, Mm. all of those psychological safety needs. Mm -hmm. And probably a sense of accomplishment and adventure. Mm. Yeah, having a sense of purpose. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see how the way that we've constructed our environment is blunting all of those and disconnecting us as well. Yeah. Because there have been plagues or there have been mass health catastrophes that have happened in the past and people have faced them together. They didn't have any idea of viruses or germ theory. So there was actually probably a lot of superstition and so forth, but they probably faced this sort of thing like a COVID event. They probably faced it with more togetherness than perhaps we're facing it. Mm. Although during the plague, did they not put a big black cross on your door and no one could come anywhere near you? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Okay. That wasn't very together. (laughs) No, that wasn't together at all. Okay. So we've been basically screwing each other over for for many hundreds of years, if not thousands. Every man for himself during a plague. Yeah. Black death. (laughs) That's true. Well, you know, okay. Maybe the humanity that we're observing here is actually not that bad. (laughs) But it is hard. It is. It is hard. It is hard. How's your week been, Anna? It was really good. I have actually not been working for the past few days. I feel guilty about that. I feel like I should be asking for more shifts or really begging for more shifts to be occupied. But I have actually taken the harder route of actually staying still and recreating Mm -hmm. and facing up to the fear of not making enough money. And I think everyone is out there. I'm taking a rare step to sit back, relax enjoy my time in Toronto, enjoy my time out in the water and, you know, with my roommates and and just reflecting where I am in, in life mm. and not worrying about the lost income that I could have made off a few shifts. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to practice that. I'm staying in an abundance mindset, which is I'm making enough money. I have the time to be able to set aside. So I'm really mm. actually quite proud of myself. I've sat still. No, I haven't sat still. I've been out in the water, like battling huge waves. <laughs> but I've sat still in that sense. That is a good achievement. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're connecting a bit more with what you need outside of the financial needs. Yeah. And this is what we do in coaching is we help people to see the abundance and to not always be scurrying as if there's not enough. Mm. And I'm trying to sit in this confidence that there, there there's enough. And, you know, as a result of which I'm actually spending less. You know, one of the things that we we do a lot of working just so that we can spend uh, fund our spending habits. Mm. I do a lot of window shopping. I love window shopping, consignment stores, thrift stores, etc. But I find myself walking out empty handed. And I really like that because mm. the amount of money that I would have impulse spent, I save myself a day or two of work. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. It sounds like you've got some balance in your life. Absolutely. Speaking of balance... I'm wondering Mm. if we can head on over to the International Relationship Correspondence Desk and see what's going on. Oh, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, maybe we should get a, a professional voiceover artist for that one. No, we're oh, actually no, not that never, bad, never. actually. We did sing on a prior podcast, and I was like, Sarah, I think we, we've got the singing gig down. We should probably add some singing to our podcast. <laughs> but if there's anybody out there who wants to provide a paid voiceover for our international correspondence desk, info at geordielass.com. <laughs> let's await the floodgates opening on that one. Mm-hmm. So this week, I read a story which just made me feel a little bit sad, but I also wanted to share it with the listeners because... I think that actually it's an experience that lots of people might be going through right now. And just to really emphasize the fact that, you know, even if we are in a comfortable place or a place where we feel like, you know, we are surviving, things are going well and and we've still got happiness, that there are times when other people maybe aren't quite as fortunate. Mm. And I think sometimes it's, it's important to just recognize some of those differences. So I read this story about somebody who'd been really poorly affected during lockdown. So not only had they lost their jobs, which, you know, many people have done or or lost, if not all of their income, a proportion of income and really placing these financial pressures on life. She also split up with her partner. Mm. So it had adversely affected her relationship. And we know that around 20 to 25 percent of people are struggling more than they were pre-COVID. Um, so we know that it's having quite a, an intense pressure on people's relationships mm. during this time. And then because of all of that, she was then forced to move back home with her parents. And the reason for sharing it is, you know, we've just had World Mental Health Day. As Anna says, this publication will go out a week later, but it's still an important thing to remember. So there's been a lot of stuff in the press around looking after each other, around checking in with each other, asking if people are okay. There's been you know, money raised for helplines where Mm. people can go and and speak to somebody if they are in need. So I guess the reason for sharing the story was just to say, often we can find ourselves in such difficulty that feels like it's the end of the world. So the first thing that I want to say is, you know, there is still hope and we can still practice gratitude, Mm. as Anna said at the start. So being grateful for having you know, a safe, loving family home to go back to whilst it might not be the place that you want to be in your life. Being grateful for the time that you've had in your relationship. Mm. And I think it's always important at the end of a relationship to try and take stock of what you have taken away from that relationship because there will be something. Mm. And then the other point is just really to check in with those around you in case they're struggling either within their relationship because pressures financially or any other emotions that might be thrown up for them Mm. is to just check in with one another and um, practice some kindness and compassion for each other. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thing you've brought to us, which is also brave because we do like to do a lot of laughing on our podcast, but I think right now it's, it's important to sit with this. Yeah, I think it just, it really made me recognize that there are so many people in the world that are facing We've kind of got this global situation that we're all in it together, mm-hmm. but we're, it's all affecting us in completely different ways. And it just really made me stop and think about that, to stop and think about the impact that the global situation is having on many of us, but in a in a unique and different experience. Yeah, that's really, that's absolutely profound. I actually encounter this in a lot of conversations I have with patients and parents. Mm. I have to actually remind them that it's not business as usual because I have a lot of phone calls. People are 
feeling like they're still on the rat race, like it's the pre-COVID rat race. So there's a lot of terror about their kids missing school, Mm. about them missing work. They kind of feel like they're still on the hamster on the wheel. And if they're faced with, you know, they have to get a COVID test, they have to isolate for 14 days, their child can't go to school for 14 days. They're terrified and they think, oh, but everything's going to fall behind. I'm, it's business as usual. And I have to remind them, it's, we're not in business as usual, yeah. is that I have so many families who are having to keep their kids home because they've got the the autumn cough and so forth. And we can't, you know, we, they, we have to get COVID testing. There's wait lists for COVID testing. And I feel like it actually helps people to know, to remind, you know, I, I tell them, I say, look, it's, I want you to know that. There's many kids who are out of school right now. Your kid is not going to fall behind. We're all in this together. And it's kind of helps them to kind of just take a breath and say, oh, yeah, right. Okay. So if we stay home for two weeks and if I'm not as productive as I sort of am used to being, you know, this measure of productivity that Mm. we have, this hamster on the wheel, we're just, you know, what are we doing? Pre-COVID, what were we we doing? Just grinding on the wheel, making money, productivity, ignoring our intimate relationships, you know, destroying our environment. And now it's the time to sit back and and take some time and and realize people aren't rushing ahead. No one's rushing ahead of you right now. Yeah. What's really interesting about that, though, as human beings, we need somebody else to give us permission to stop and pause. (laughs) Yes. So true. You know, and I think part of that feeling that we need to be given permission for something you know, a lot of that does stem from childhood experiences or feeling like we've not been accepted by others in the past. Mm -hmm. And as we know, and Anna and I had a conversation about this just recently, you need to tap into your own needs and really tune into them. And you don't need to wait for permission to be able to do that. So Anna and I would like to grant you all permission today to tune in to your own needs Mm -hmm. and take one step to try and address those needs in whichever way works and feels best for you. Oh, yes. Oh, that (laughs) landed right in the right spot, Sarah. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a beautiful piece of coaching. Uh, So shall we move to the hot topic because I'm really excited about it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Saucy stuff coming up. Okay. So I feel like we had a very, um, a very somber start to the podcast, but also very necessary at times. Part of that checking in with how you are is is about sometimes just having quieter moments. So let's move on to the hot topic, which um, (laughs) I don't know if Anna and I are going to disagree on this, which is why I'm I'm actually a little bit excited about raising it. I think this is the celebrity death match we have been waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) So should you tell your partner how much you earn? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) Okay, I think we're going to disagree on this, but I think we are as well. Why don't you take it away and let me hear what you're thinking? Okay. So for me, I've always been quite private about my financial affairs. Mm. And I don't think that's anybody else's business. Mm-hmm. So for me, I that that's always been my stance. It actually annoys the hell out of my children that they don't know how much money I earn. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, really, really bugs them. Oh my gosh. Which is then also equally entertaining for me and um, makes me never want to share with them. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Have you been like this since you were little? Yes. 
I honestly, I don't know where it comes from, but it is just something where I kind of feel like it's your own business, it's your own. And I know other people do not feel like that. So, Right, right. And actually, it's so funny because as I think about it, like there's very few people who actually need to know how much one earns. Yeah. It really is quite a, it's an irrelevant point. Mm. So where do you stand then? Yeah, it's funny. Oh, I'm an open book on everything. And I think at, to a fault, uh, I don't think anybody's used anything against me, but I, I tend to be very open about everything, including finances. And I find that I'll just sort of, I'll catch myself saying, oh, you know, this is not this is how much I make, but I will speak about like, if somebody asks me, I'll tell them. Here's an interesting piece of advice. So I actually keep separate finances. We've always kept separate. We don't have a shared bank account. We'll Venmo each other or like, <laughs> and that actually makes us very happy. Like, I don't have any access to his bank account. I'm not sure what he's spending on. He doesn't yeah. know what I'm spending on. We just have a shared agreement about the household expenses and we will transfer each other money to cover those expenses. Yeah. I will say that our financial lives being separate and almost being roommates in the in the way of being re- in relationship is terrific, actually. So while my dude knows how much I make, it really is quite immaterial to our running of the household. As long as I have the expenses to be able to contribute, and so does he, uh, it doesn't matter, actually. And that's actually, I would say, the financial independence has been something that's been a real savior for our relationship. Mm. And I wonder, is that what is tied into this, is like separate spending? Possibly. I think, I mean, for me, yes, I would always have my own bank account. I would always do my own transactions. I would Mm. be responsible for my own finances. So I think it is really important. Even when I was going on maternity leave, the second time I didn't get maternity pay, Mm. I saved up enough money so that I had enough money to spend during maternity so that I wasn't disadvantaged or I didn't feel like mm. I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. So I think I've always been financially independent. Mm. And I think it's so it is connected with that. I think I agree with your point that it's irrelevant how much you earn, as long as you can pay your way, pay your bills if you live jointly or separately or whatever it is, mm. then I do think that it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think too, is we assume that we should be an open book on many things. I don't think we understand where our boundaries of privacy Mm. lay and I love the fact that much to your children's chagrin you're like you don't need to know how much I make and they truly don't and sometimes we think that we owe people information yeah because we're told to satisfy people to please people just to your point earlier if you tune into what we need and tune into expectations that come from within we realize there's a lot of information that we probably share that is not on a need-to-know basis. We share things because people make us feel like we're expected to. I tell you, when I was first married, (laughs) my mother-in-law didn't used to say a lot. I mean, she's passed now, so rest Mm -hmm. her soul. But she would be quite quiet and wouldn't really say a lot. And I felt the need to fill the gaps in Mm. of silence. And the ridiculous things that I shared with her, (laughs) like you had no need to share. I would just volunteer information freely Mm. and openly. And I think back to that and and it was purely about filling the space, filling Mm. the gap because I couldn't stand the silence. Thankfully, I've moved on from those days and I'm quite comfortable with silence nowadays. (laughs) Oh my gosh, now that I'm not comfortable with silence. Isn't that funny that you say that? That really has struck a nerve because I offer all sorts of information. Like if you want to get information out of me, just be quiet. (laughs) And I will say any and everything just to keep the chatter going. 
Oh, we could practice that for the next 30 minutes, Anna. <laughs> Let's see what Anna shares. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's funny too, because in this podcast itself, I do find myself rambling. I'll ramble. Yeah. I mean, silence is golden. Silence to, to be able to stand in silence and say, this is not my responsibility to fill. Yeah. I'm not going to sort of offer free things of myself just to fill the discomfort. I'll sit in the discomfort. We'll sit here for as long as it takes. <gasps> That's beautiful. <laughs> well, it would be a really boring podcast if we both sit in silence, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank God we both have equal contribution. And the conversation <laughs> rolls like fine wine. But yeah, this is funny that this is coming up. There's a lot of stuff coming up in this question. I didn't expect it to come here, but this is what's underneath it. I think there can be a lot, there's a lot attached to money, isn't there? I think we get kind of really caught up with status, how much money people earn, who should pay for what, who's got the most money. I think you get a lot of worth attached to money. Mm. And if, you know, if we can say actually none of that matters, let's take mm. that away. It's not what's important to the relationship. I think you can remove one of the quite common areas mm. of discontentment between a relationship. That's completely true. So differences on fine, isn't that the one the leading causes of divorce? Mm, well, it certainly, yeah, it certainly comes up quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's fu it's funny too because I, you know, in your children being absolutely astonished and pissed off that you won't tell them how much they earn, somehow they've gotten probably from their schoolmates they've they've gotten a sense of this is something that you should share. So obviously in school, they're probably talking about how much their parents make. I'm, I'm just assuming, like, where is this coming from? It's probably coming from their peers. Mm. So we come into this, into adulthood, thinking that this is something that should be shared and public knowledge and that you don't have privacy over this, over this element. And as a result, you probably go into relationship with a distorted sense of, of boundaries on, on finances. Mm. What I would say is if, you know, if both parties, there's no kind of hard and fast rules here, is there? So mm. if both parties are more than happy to discuss their finances, you know, as an open book, they want to share bank accounts, they want to share mm. transactions, they want to share how much they earn with each other. If both parties are truly comfortable with that, then by all means, that's absolutely fine. It's not, I think there aren't any hard and fast rules here. Mm. So I think, I suppose, just to clarify, we're not saying you you should keep them private or you sh or you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's just presenting different views about when and where, you know, you might want to disclose or, or not, as the case may be. I suppose where you get a challenge is where one party is more than happy to share and the other isn't, and then it can become a problem. But I think, so that's actually an interesting opportunity, is that if that presents as an issue, why is it coming up as an issue? Yeah. And who is the person, and I, here's what I suspect, I suspect that the person who is open gets defensive or emotional or they experience negative emotions about the other person not sharing. And yeah. I think that may be an important question to say, why is it important to know yeah. what bothers you about not being involved in mm. the information of, of your partner's finances? What triggers you yeah. when you're not shared that information? Yeah. In any time when there is a trigger or there's some heightened emotion there's always something behind it mm. and it's we know that you can it is possible to de-energize something to take the energy out of it as soon as you actually understand mm. the reason for it and what's causing it in the first place oh yeah if I had somebody who was so private about what they earned and with me being such an open book I think what would trigger me is 
it kind of makes me reflect back on my openness and I think, okay, I'm angry that this person is not sharing because I share perhaps out of a feeling of obligation that I should share because I was raised with this expectation to be a good person. If somebody wants to know something, you tell them your life is for other people. Your life is an open book because it's for other people to consume. So if other people are having, if my partner were to have boundaries, that might irritate me because I might say, yeah, but I don't have boundaries. Why are you allowed to have boundaries? It may make me question well, Anna, why don't you have boundaries? You're allowed to have boundaries. Nobody said you couldn't. Mm. And it's time to start stepping out of the shadow of, of expectation from other people. Yeah. I think there's also a different, in that scenario, potentially you're placing two different emphases on it. So for me, it's not about keeping information private. It's just, for me, it's not relevant. So it's mm. not relevant to share it. It hasn't got anything to do with anything. Therefore, there's no need to share it. So he hasn't got any... It's not emotionally charged for me to say, mm. oh, I couldn't possibly tell anybody. It's just it's not relevant and it never has been. Mm -hmm. So that is completely different to the viewpoint that you might have, which is, well, you're keeping something from me. You're not sharing that information. But actually, there are two emotions that are charged at completely different levels, mm. right? So for me, it's not got any energy. It's just it's a nothing. It's not even important. Mm. And if the other person is then placing a lot of energy and emphasis on it, it's getting below that to mm. say, well, why, why does it matter to you? Because it doesn't to me. Hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. This is a really nice question because we don't often think about this, but this is an undercurrent of most relationships in terms of how are they going to proceed together in finances mm. and in, in disclosure, but we don't often talk about this. Yeah. And I think at the start of a relationship, it's really important to talk about how do you want to manage your finances together? Mm. So, you know, how do you want to function as a as a couple? Because it will be important. So it's, it is important to understand mm. the different perspectives. It's, an, it's important to understand what that means to each of you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, for me, because I've got a real strong value of fairness. For me, it's always important to make sure nobody feels like it's unfair for them so nobody feels like they're worse off because of decisions that you're making mm -hmm. this is a great one this pokes the bear it certainly does and you know there's i think there's maybe a few barometer questions that really like if this brings stuff up for you it's a wonderful thing to explore mm. if this brings up strong stuff for you just as you mentioned get underneath that energy because th these are the core things that make or break relationship yeah is understanding why you're having a reaction to something you can learn a lot about yourself and potentially do a rescue mission on a relationship if you understand what is coming up for you yeah and anywhere where there's emotion, energy, that's positive and negative emotion. So it's mm -hmm. not just about negative emotions. Often when we think, we talk about this, we think about, oh, it's the times when I feel upset or angry or annoyed. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's also the times when you feel happy and elated and full of joy. Mm -hmm. They're the things you want more of in your life. So I think emotions and energy are two really important things to help guide you in terms of where you're at in your life. Yeah. And I think we're going to keep serving up these hot topics and questions that mm. really provoke you to think. That's our job. Yes. So speaking of questions. Oh, are we going to move on to the relationship remedy of the week? I think we should. Let's go on. Well, we've got a goodie this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Deep breath. How do you have sex with your partner when you don't fancy them? <laughs> oh gosh, this is a hard one. Talking about 
<laughs> Talking about questions that poke the bear. <laughs> oh my gosh, how do you have sex with someone if you don't fancy them? You don't. Move on. Okay, that was a nice <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is really, really hard. This is really hard. I think this comes up more often for people than, than we think. It does. You know, speaking about emotions and energy, there's a lot attached to this below the surface. Mm -hmm. So I think you can often get shame that comes up as part of this as well. Because mm -hmm. I think that, you know, being attracted to somebody is on multiple levels. So it's not mm -hmm. just about, do I look at somebody and want to jump into bed with them? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of a physical attraction but you've also got emotional attraction you've also got intellectual attraction mm -hmm. so my question would be you know back to this person is it just purely a physical thing or mm. is there more going on have you never been attracted to them and is it now just getting to a point where actually it's not tolerable anymore mm -hmm. or has something changed and it's really difficult when we're dealing with somebody else's body changing because mm naturally you know over time things do change we're mm -hmm. all aging mm -hmm. um so even if we stay as physically fit we're still going to age okay <laughs> so we're still going to develop lines and wrinkles and and everything's going to move south it is gravity is going to be an increasing force i always remember my daughter asking her um grandma why do you have lines on your face <laughs> Oh my word, I was very, very embarrassed at oh, that point. Gosh. But I mean, it was just a question, right? Because obviously her her grand looked different to her mum and dad mm -hmm. and, to, you know, and it was just, it was a question. So, you know, we do change and we do develop over time. I think the thing that keeps you more connected is that intellectual attraction. It is mm -hmm. that emotional attraction. It's that bond that keeps you together because things will change. Mm. And when you so what does fancy like if you don't fancy them? Yeah. Those layers to fancying. What do you what do you make of that? Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's I feel like that is on kind of the multiple levels. Mm. It is about emotional, physical. It is about a deeper connection. So mm -hmm. that's where when you look at the question, I don't think it's as simple as just that physical attraction. Right. But I do sense that the question is all about the physical attraction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also get a, a sense of transience, you know, as somebody who does love to work with folks around discord and desire, when one person has an increased or a, a higher libido for the other person, that can be something that waxes and wanes, that can be something that like this month, somebody's sort of level of fizzy knickers is a little lower, it can be something that lasts for many months, it can be last, there can be like a low libido or a high libido partner that trend mm. can go on for years. I definitely agree that fancying does tend to be that fizzy knickers sexual attraction, that physical attraction. But a lot of times when there's folks who are a low libido partner, oftentimes, and as you've highlighted before, it's not primarily that they've lost physical attraction for that person. It is because there's perhaps a core value of theirs that has been broken that mm. severs that trust or that connection. So if they find that their partner is not helping out around the house or is not helping them out in their life, they don't have their back, uh, maybe they're not respecting them sexually, maybe the sex that they do have is not respectful or pleasurable to one person and they kind of tune out and there's a lot of layers, I agree, to fancying somebody. Yeah. And it is possible just to emotionally shut down and then that sexual connection isn't there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, it might not be that you just, that you have to fancy them physically, you have to look at them and 
but it might be that actually you like the way that they make you feel when they touch you. So mm. it can be, you know, it can come in lots of different shapes and forms. And I think sometimes it is just about trying to understand your own needs, trying to understand what would make me want to have sex again. So mm. if it is, so I really sense from this question that they're not having sex because the physical attraction isn't there. Mm. Okay, so what would... If you just focused on you then, what would make you more likely to spend some time in bed intimately? So it doesn't necessarily have to be full-blown sex. You know, we've had this discussion before, it's come Mm. up in other questions. What would make you have kind of one step? Maybe it's just you want to be touched intimately and that's the starting position. Mm. Because that attraction, the fizzy knickers, isn't just from looking at somebody. Oh, that, that is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And as I have been working on is trying to tune into yourself and not Mm. always looking at the other person. We, we tend to say, oh, if only that person would be different, then I would be sexually attracted to them. And we never ask the question, what am I sexually attracted to? Yeah. And sometimes that brings up some weird things about like, well, am I attracted to somebody else then? And we always look external to ourselves. Well, if I don't fancy my partner, then maybe I'm fancying somebody else. But we never look inside and say what just to your point, what would make me aroused? What would make me satisfied? Yeah. Just as you say, what would I want sexually right, right now or sensually or intimately? Yeah. The thing that I always like to remember is that there was once upon a time that you desired this person tremendously. Yeah. Very few of us, well, you know, sometimes we end up falling into a relationship where we never, never fancied them in the beginning. And that's maybe a, a little bit of a different situation. But a lot of us fancied each other incredibly. I think a lot of us will remember a time where we spent an entire weekend in bed with our partner, just shagging Mm. the entire weekend, (laughs) you know, not answering our phones and missing uh, appointments. So you have before you a person who you fancied an incredible lot at one point in time. I think, you know, the vast majority of relationships come together on that basis. So... To remember what we desired about each other to start off with is an incredibly valuable thing that I've been tuning into is what Mm. did I desire? What was it about myself that I felt with this person at that time that I can tune back into? Yeah, but I think it goes back to that first point though. What was it I felt? Mm. What is it that was going on for me with this person? So, Mm. and really going back to that. As human beings, we're really great at creating our own fantasies, our own desires, our own peaking, our own sexual interest. We mm. we have got a really, really powerful imagination to be able to do that. Yeah. So my first question would be why, you know, tune into why you have switched off emotionally, mm-hmm. tune into why you're not connected sexually, and then you'll be able to start to take some steps towards building that back up again. I think that's tremendous. Yeah. In many folks who have low libido, oftentimes a low libido for the relationship, they're never given permission to start to imagine or dream because Mm. it's either it's a binary thing. It's either they're having sex with their partner or if they're not having sex with their partner, then they're not sexual at all. It's like they've, their sexuality tap has turned off. But I think you also though, you can fall out with the habit of doing it, right? So like I often I believe that the more you have sex, the more you want it. The less you have sex, the less you want it. Yes. And it's trying to get some balance in the middle that works for both parties. So so sometimes it is just about, right, okay, you know, figuratively speaking, how do I get back on the horse? <laughs> it's so true. And we've kind of tussled <laughs> about this before. And I, I've actually, I like that you say that because I, I do ultimately feel like 
uh, use it or lose it, yeah. an element of keeping up the desire and keeping up the fizzy knickers is actually keeping up the practice. It's, yeah. It is a workout. Like to put time aside and to experience any intimate activity or any sexuality, it, it does take work. Uh, mm. It could be a workout, maybe not a, a real vigorous workout. Sometimes it is a very vigorous workout, but to keep in the shape of that is really, really important and keep in the pattern and keep the window of opportunity open. Oftentimes time just closes in on us like a, we create a little valley in the sand and the waves just come up and fill it up. And that's that's mm. the way our lives are. And we have to remain and keep space open, that space for each other. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing too. Yeah. I think the final thing that I've, I would say on this is around reframing the situation. So, you know, we're talking about, I don't fancy my partner, therefore I can't have sex with them. Or how do I, how do I have sex with them when I don't fancy them? Mm. So that question is very much placed on, I feel like a need to perform or I feel like I have to do it. So I can really kind of sense that coming out from the question. Mm. Instead, you know, if we reframe the question and said, how do I feel more desirable when I'm with my partner? Mm. Then it places a whole different emphasis on it. There's no longer this this need to perform, to be a certain mm. person, to do something against my will. If we say, how can I just get more desire in my relationship? Mm. That switches everything up in your mind and you come at it from a completely different position. Yeah. So I'd maybe kind of throw a question back. I love that because then that would challenge me if I heard that question. I would say, oh, mm. how do I reignite myself as an intimate, sensual, sexual person? Yeah. Should I choose to do so? There may be some people who, for various reasons, may say this is not a priority. I don't want to go there right now. And that's fine. But a lot yeah. of people will respond really favorably and say, oh, wait, I have permission to think more broadly. To think in a different way, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like opportunity and not having to kind of force myself to do a certain thing. Yeah. And as human beings, we don't like to be forced to do something that we don't want to do, especially around sex. Nobody wants to be forced to have sex. No. <laughs> that sounds kind of obvious. <laughs> Just thanks, thanks for sharing, Anna. <laughs> Dr. Anna stating the obvious stratus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's so it's funny, like, I we just assume, yeah, I, I love that the question was framed in a certain way to remind us that there are blocks and restrictions within the, the framing of the question, we just, we have to open it up and reframe in order to see the, the possibility. Yeah, I know there's a few people listening who are having this in their lives. And this may yeah. ignite the excitement in them to do a little bit of exploring. Yeah, hopefully. Well, here it's Thanksgiving, so there's going to be a few people maybe who are taking a little bit of time, they have a day off, and maybe there may be some exploration going on, either with themselves, with a partner, or both. Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like, I feel like I've had a big workout today. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, feel, I really feel like we've covered a lot today. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about gratitude and about compassion mm. for other people and for ourselves. Mm. A lot about energy and where that energy sits and how to use it and um we've finished off with a bit of sex <laughs> i always like to <laughs> land there i like to start off there and i like to land there that's wonderful <laughs> so hopefully that has helped people who are having questions in their own mind um people who maybe have been struggling with covid and think actually mm. i've got permission to accept that that's okay mm. and just giving you a bit of food for thought as ever as always, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You are absolutely not alone. <laughs> we would yeah. always like to remind you of that. In perhaps the most 
sort of conventionally shameful things is that everybody experiences these things. Yeah. We experience these things. We're, I'm on the journey. Yeah. And the only way to let go of shame is to speak your truth out loud. Mm. Beautifully put, Sarah. Well, I think we need to leave now. Yes. We, we are turning into those guests that never want to leave the party. <laughs> exactly. So I do think we need to stop now. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to take a little brandy stiffener out the door with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure as always, my lovely. Sarah, as always, have a good week ahead. (laughs) Yes, and you. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.